Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. And I always tell people that I coach, I just tell them, you're not what you went through, but what you went through can be a vehicle for who you need to be right now. It's a choice, right? You can choose to be the victim because either whatever you believe in is true. Henry Ford said it, right? Mm-hmm. He who thinks he can and he who thinks he can't, they're both right. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Whatever the thinker thinks, the prover will prove. The Buddha said all is mental. The whole reality that we live in is mental. The Bible says as a man thinks. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're, We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey girl, hey, it's Terry here from the Herspace Podcast. Every Wednesday, I release a Wisdom Wednesday mini episode that'll give you the quick boost you need to get you through hump day. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click the Wisdom Wednesday with Terry link under start here to get your weekly gems. I hope to see you there. All right, lady, today is a special day on the Herspace podcast. We have our very first male guest and we've set the bar pretty high for future men that appear on the show. Zoe Williams is a self-published author, relationship coach, and TV and radio personality. A student of world religions, Zoe is a passionate and opinionated dynamo who offers revolutionary thoughts about the breakdown of social systems and institutions and how they impact human relationships within the urban or alternative community. Dubbed as Tupac meets Deepak or the hip-hop Dr. Phil, Zoe lends a unique perspective to the relationship coaching world. Welcome to Her Space, Zoe. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. Yes. And so we are going to just jump right in. We are going to start with our quote of the day. And our quote of the day comes from you, Zoe. As long as people in stepping stone relationships are committed to serving each other instead of misusing each other, there is no inherent harm in stepping stone relationships. Wow. I, didn't I know. Say that. You did say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. And so we want to start right off with asking if you could explain to us what do you mean by stepping stone relationships? Relationships that aren't meant for a, la- a lifetime. Relationships that are meant to teach you something in passing. You know, every experience that we have in our relationships has a nugget, a kernel of knowledge that actually expands us. So nothing is ever wasted. The universe moves with an economy of movement. Nothing in the universe is wasted. 
So a lot of times we villainize some of the terrible relationships we've gone through thinking like, ah, man, I wish I hadn't gone through that or I didn't need to experience that again. But the universe is very precise in the way that it delivers these miniature classrooms to you. So a stepping stone is someone who may not be long for your life, but that doesn't devalue them or devalue their importance in your life at the time that they're there. They're there to drop off something that will help you mature and evolve to the next stage of your existence. And so if we approach that from that open perspective of each relationship that we get into has the potential, has the capacity to teach us something, then do you think that that's what helps us to serve each other instead of misusing the other person? Well, I think the key word, I mean, we don't want to get too far into semantics, but serving is using. And we have to be very careful to not misuse the one who is in service, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to be we have to be very mindful of that. The Hindus have a belief system, a part of their religion is called Siva, S-E-V-A. And it is service. It's the word that means servant. And for them, serving other people is the same as worshiping God. So if we take that same principle, when someone is showing us something about ourselves, in an intimate relationship, right? It's harder to disrespect them. It's harder to denigrate them. It's harder to put them down, right? Again, blame and comparison are big killers of intimate relationships. Blame and comparison, right? And we have to be very careful when somebody is in our lives, they're there to deliver a higher understanding of ourselves or even unfold an aspect of ourselves that we never knew anything about. I heard a quote years ago. I don't remember who said it, but it says something like relationships are like mirrors. And as I began to evolve and grow and, you know, get into relationships, I was like, you know what? That's actually a good point because I've realized that the relationship is bringing out certain things in me that I may need to work on or it's teaching me things about myself. So would you agree with that, Zoe, in saying that relationships are similar to mirrors where we can kind of see ourselves from a different maybe perspective and what we may need to enhance or work on? Mm-hmm. Well, the first time I heard that statement, it it was from the famous philosopher, J. Krishnamurti. He wrote a book. It's called Relationship as a Mirror. And I actually expounded on his point in the relationship this month. And I mentioned and, and cite Krishnamurti's work because who you are is what you get. And a lot of people are not happy about what they get because ultimately they're not happy with who they are. Reaching a level of unconditional love, reaching a level of unconditional understanding has to first be done within oneself, right? So it doesn't mean having all the answers for yourself. What it means is knowing what you are and then embracing it, right? And then saying, hey, okay, this is who I am. Okay, I'm all right with that. You know what I mean? I'm all right with That's a really good point, Zoe. And in your book, The Relationship Dismount, one thing you you talk about is you talk about the sporting life and how an athlete's approach to their craft compares to relationships. Can you just dive into that a bit and talk about what that comparison is or how they compare to one another? Well, typically, 
most people have routine, relationship routine. And just like in gymnastics, where there is a routine, the routine is ruined at the end based on the dismount. If you don't stick the landing, you tumble or stumble into the next routine, right? Psychologically speaking, speaking the gymnast has that on their mind. I didn't stick the, 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 the landing in the last routine. But we have relationship routines and patterns. Children model the home environment that they were raised in. And if you see your parent dismount a relationship in a harmful or disrespectful way, then you tend to take their way of conflict management, Mm -hmm. their way of dealing with trauma, whether it be to swallow it and not speak about it, right? You tend to model how they resolve issues. So the modeling is the routine. If you see great basketball players, Carl Malone used to say a little prayer or used to mention something every time before he shot a free throw. Right. If you look at Kobe Bryant, he had an extreme work ethic where he worked so hard to prepare himself to excel during the game. Again, we model our environment. That is the routine. Now, if you have a successful dismount modeled in your household, meaning, you know, my family, in order to deal with conflict, or in order to manage conflict, in order to deal with, you know, broken relationships that have happened within our home, we sit down and we talk with a therapist, or we sit down and we talk with a holistic healer and a therapist or a pastor. We have devotion where nobody is being judged for speaking the truth about how they felt, how a situation unfolded within these walls, right? If you model children or if you put children in that environment, they will model that as a means of managing conflict. Or if you put a child in an environment where the management style is avoidant, we won't talk about it. Well, we won't talk about it produces more conflict because what is avoided needs to be embraced. Or we got a combative style. If you bring something up to me, I'm going to compete and combat you, right? And nothing ever really gets dealt with. And this is where you see the seeds of kitchen sinking and gaslighting and all of these other psychological traps, you know, manifest themselves in the way that we manage conflict. You put the children in that environment, they model that routine and any other dismount that is presented to them. Sometimes the dismount is contempt. You don't get to be a part of what we're doing anymore. You got to leave, right? Sometimes the dismount is contempt because, I mean, contempt is easier than embracing a problem, right, that you don't have the tools for. If you had the tools, you would embrace the problem and use the tools that you have to diffuse the problem. So a lot of people are bereft of the tools they need. So contempt. An expulsion becomes an easier way to manage conflict, and that's their dismount. Wow, <laughs> that was a lot. And what, but what I want to tap into is you mentioned in your household you use holistic approaches, you use therapy, you use a combination of those. You 
will consult a pastor. So typically, the stereotype or the narrative, the negative narrative that's out there is that Black men don't do therapy, right? And as a therapist, I know that that's not true, but I know that there are a lot of Black men that struggle with the idea of going to therapy. So can you talk a little bit about how you got into using therapy and what you usually tell other Black men in encouraging them to use therapy? Well, you have to remember the Black man, as he is today, is the ward. And this, this, may, this may be hurtful, but he's the ward of this white society, just as the Black woman. We don't create our own narratives for success. We don't create our own narratives for romance. We don't create our own narratives for intimacy. A lot of what we get to compile our understanding, and I'm talking about just ideas and concepts, comes from the society in which we live. A perfect example of that is if you're born in Tennessee in the 80s and you're African-American to a middle-class family, you're probably going to be Christian. You're probably going to join a sorority or a fraternity too. (laughs) That's just, you you understand what I'm saying? So again, I'm just showing that society, you know, we, we live in a society that has created a certain type of black man and woman. Unfortunately, one of the things that comes out of this society is black men have a fear of anything white controlled. So if it's the doctor, we don't like going to the doctor because who is he? What is he going to do? We don't want to deal with him. If it's the police, we don't want to deal with him. We know how that turns out. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's this notion that therapy is just of him. And that's an extension for how he, you know, labels us as either hyperactive or we need some Ritalin. We were bad kids. And, you know, we were, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Right. So a lot of times, you know, we have, you know, stereotypes and stigmas around institution. And that prevents us from participating in things that might be beneficial. Now, as a therapist, I'm sure you know that oftentimes white therapists are not the best to deliver <laughs> any insight to deliver any insight to black couples. Right. You need a black therapist who not only understands culturally, but then can apply the science and the tools she got, you know, or he got becoming a therapist, the clinical tool, as well as just, you know, I I know what you're talking about. I I come from where you come from. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times there's a disconnect (laughs) there and a lot of black men can feel it, you know, just like a lot of black men can see that the preacher is hustling mm-hmm. because we've been taught, you know, a black man to go to church and listen and go, okay, that's a genuine dude. I'll come back. Or he'll go to church and go, no, that's the hustle. You don't mm-hmm. see it because you want to believe, but that's the hustle. <laughs> Damn. Cause you want to believe. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, that's part of it. So for me, I got turned on to it a little bit because one of my co-hosts on my show for many years, his name is Dr. Mark Goulston. He's a therapist and a medical doctor. And, you know, he's written a whole bunch of books, talking to crazy and how to get out of your own way. And 
and listen. I think it's just listen. These are all, you know, international best-selling books. And he was just so honest about the history of psychiatry. He just said, yo, it started off as a pseudoscience. We were torturing people and, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, dunking people in cold baths of ice and, you know, you know, electroshock therapy. He was like, it was torture because we didn't understand. We were, we were trying to understand. He talked about phrenology and he went on and on and on. And then he said, and now it's transitioned from torture to big pharma. Yes. You know, now we can just prescribe you something. And because he was so honest, I was still able to see some of the human tools, right? The human tools that he was able to impart on us, you know, like listening empathetically, listening without judgment, separating your own issues while listening. You see what I'm saying? Because a lot of times you'll have therapists and clinicians who they transfer their own experience and, and it's like, okay, but that's complicating the situation because your experience is yours and theirs is theirs and they need objectivity and not subjectivity in order to properly diagnose them, right? And and lead them on a way. Like a lot of times, you know, you, you'll get a therapist who's about healing themselves as opposed to healing who's in front of them, wow. right? Yeah, else. <laughs> so, and, and, and a lot of people don't think that black men are intuitive, but we are, and we can sense that mm-hmm. and we can, you know, and it's like, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to be a part of that. That's why for, for me, I learned the devotional piece from my mother. She would always have devotion, but then I took it to another level and said, well, we need an African shaman in here mm-hmm. that deals with spirituality, African spirituality, where we came from before we were Christians. We didn't have a choice being Christian. You know, that's just part of the social construct. But then I said, okay, let's put the African shaman with a clinician, a therapist. Let's do that together. Let's get the clinical side and the spiritual side. I love it. And let's deal with what, you see what I'm saying? And let's deal with what's happening in the house. Because all of that is happening in the house and your shaman might not know all of the psychological background and your therapist might not understand all of the spiritual background. So having both as a tag team, that's that's amazing. Now, so one thing that I that really took me by surprise, you know, I've listened to many of your shows over the years. And when I read the relationship dismount, you talked about just your upbringing. I did not realize that you had so many, I guess, obstacles, you know, growing up. And so I'd love to know how can people heal and process the dysfunctional relationships with our parents in particular? Because I know you had some very interesting experiences with, I believe you had adoptive parents and then your mom as well. And then your brother who kind of tried to step in as that male figure. So can you talk a bit about healing from that, that trauma from our parents? Healing comes from acceptance and you can't accept anything you're trying to avoid. Mm. Right. A lot of times, we identify with what we went through. It becomes who we are, right? It's either a badge of honor or it's something we're ashamed about. But either or, it affects our identity, how we see ourselves, right? And the problem with 
healing in that state is that it's hard for you to heal something that you think you are. Mm. And I always tell people that I coach, I just tell them, you're not what you went through, but what you went through can be a vehicle for who you need to be right now. It's a choice, right? You can choose to be the victim because either whatever you believe in is true. Henry Ford said it, right? Mm-hmm. He who thinks he can and he who thinks he can't, they're both right. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Whatever the thinker thinks, the prover will prove. The Buddha said all is mental. The whole reality that we live in is mental. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So you have to see which one gives you more power mm-hmm. because in both, there is a payoff. There's a massive payoff in being a victim. Because people empathize with you because of your victimhood positionality in their lives, right? Until they get tired of it, mm-hmm. right? So we already know what the power is or what the payoff is in the victimhood of, or, or in the position of being, you know, victorious over whatever you've gone through, being a student of whatever you've gone through, you know? There are no accidents in the universe. Like I said, the universe has an economy of movement. Things happen the way they happen. Like LeBron James didn't know he was going to be a number one NBA draft pick out of high school at 18 years old after being homeless with his mom and struggling with his mom and being on welfare and no daddy and mom's dealing with drugs. He didn't know it, but he embodied it. And the next thing you know, Look where he at. Yeah. He's four or five hundred million deep. But <laughs> does that mean he's whole? Not if you talk to LeBron James and he goes back and he goes, I'm glad my father wasn't around. You know he's not whole. You see, or if his fatherhood is predicated on being a better father than his father was to him, he's not whole. He's proven a point as opposed to holding his position as a father. Wow. Which means that that's saying, I still need you, dad, to explain things. Now I can tell myself I don't, and I can look at where I am in life and say, this, look, I got here without you. Yeah. But really your, your father is still the fuel for your parenting because you're still proving something to him spiritually. Mm. And he's the fuel for your profession. Because you said, we're not going to live like that because dad left us. It's the perspective that gives you the power. And so what would wholeness look like? That was so interesting to me. So, whoa, that was like kind of mind flowing right there. What do, what does wholeness look like in that context and what mindset would he need to have? So, cause a lot of people I think are in this world where it's like, oh, mommy wasn't there. Daddy wasn't there. So I'm going to, you know, achieve these goals you know, to prove something to them. So what, what is the mindset of a whole person that didn't have their parents there and they're still ambitious? Achievement does not equivocate to wholeness. Many people think so. You hear somebody like Tony Robbins says, say, massive success is the greatest form of revenge, maybe externally, but people fail to realize that more than anything else, relationship is spiritual and spirit is contextual it's nuanced right? 
Right. <laughs> you right. don't understand that. <laughs> it's yes. contextual. It's nuanced. And it's fragmented. You don't get whole answers in every experience. You get pieces. Sometimes it'll take you three experiences to get one whole answer. Sometimes it may take 10. Yes, ain't that the truth? <laughs> you wake oh, up, you, you, you wake up 15 years later and you go, wow, that's what that meant. Yep. Right. Yes. <laughs> You're like, damn. It's all that time. All that time. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. yes. Just like our, just like time is fragmented. It's fragmented in moments, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years, eons. It's fragmented. Time is fragmented. Our pictures are fragmented. You zoom into a picture you've taken, it breaks down into pixels. Mm. Our reality is fragmented, right? We could go from as big as the street and the cars on the street. We can go to as small as an atom, and then we go inside the atom. It breaks down into electrons and Everything is pixelated and fragmented. Mm -hmm. And so is knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It's a process that we live every day. This is why it makes total sense that they said no more conflict resolution. We got to call it conflict management because Mm -hmm. conflict doesn't go away. That's a good point. (laughs) Yes. Conflict is like debt. It's revolving. Mm. So what do we do? What do we do with that? We manage it one pixel, one piece at a time. So, Zoe, speaking of fragments and managing one piece at a time, one piece that is always fascinating to me is in particular with heterosexual relationships. How do you work with men in coaching men in having healthy relationships when they're coming from a patriarchal or misogynistic perspective? Well, let's, let's remember, just like the man is afraid, to, there's stereotypes of him going to the doctor or going to a therapist, right? There are also stereotypes about patriarchy. First off, a black man in America can't be seen as a part of the patriarchy. Why? Because he doesn't have any real power. And that's, to me, that's a big misnomer. Black men don't have power. When you see black men reach certain positions of power, believe you me, there are white men above them in that hierarchy. And those black men who have reached certain levels, i.e. Martin Luther King, once you get out of pocket with our agenda that we've put you in place to facilitate, we will take you out of there. So it's hard for me to say, how do black men create healthy relationships, right? When dealing with the ideation of patriarchy. Well, I don't know a black man who's in a position to say those people over there did something and we're going to bomb them. Or, you know, I don't know black men in position like that. Where black men extrapolate power from is their job here in America, is their occupation here in America. America's construct for relationship is largely transactional. If I got money, I've got power. 
If I make more money than you, I have more power than you. This is where the power struggle comes from. This is why a lot of women who are doing much better than a lot of men, if you start looking at the data, a lot of sisters are doing better than brothers, education as well as occupationally. And now they're starting to say, look, brother, I'm in position to tell you what to do because I'm the one who's paying for all of it. A lot of times you hear people say, oh, well, this isn't a healthy relationship or this is a healthy relationship. Having a healthy relationship is not like walking into a grocery store and grabbing some pre-cut produce, right? A healthy relationship is the byproduct of a process. What is that process? The process of unraveling all of the modeling you got from your household. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, I doubt, I seriously doubt that they're just a whole bunch of really amazing households that black people, white people are just coming from. No, I believe <laughs> that most households are challenged. Yeah, most yeah. households don't have relationship tools. Yeah. So to say, you know, how do you, how do you deal with the patriarchy? Well, the reverse of that question will be how would a woman have a healthy a sister have a healthy relationship dealing with the ideas that come from feminism? There's one radical feminist belief that says men are disposable. You get share talking about men are like toilet tissue. They're disposable. So these are <laughs> ideological constructs. And I'm going to use Krishnamurti again. Krishnamurti says if you want to keep men divided. All you have to do is present them with a concept. He said, it is conceptual thinking that keep men separated. The concept of, I'm from Pasadena, so I'm a Pasadenian. You mean inside of L.A.? <laughs> yes. <I'm a> Pas- <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and I always tell people, like, look, if you claim feminism as an identity, just like a person claiming victimhood, you become a warrior in the army of that identity. Now you got to defend your victimhood. Mm. If I if I claim feminist, I have to defend feminism. Now everything starts to it's it's confirmation bias. (laughs) You see? Mm -hmm. Now everything looks like the big bad patriarchy because I'm ideologically enrolled in the army of this belief system. We have to, just like I said in my book, The Holographic Relationship, we need to understand when our belief systems can be reduced to an acronym, BS. We have to come to the understanding (laughs) of when those belief systems are now BSing us. Because we're powerful beings that are not separate from God and whatever we believe in animates itself. So if you want a healthy relationship, number one, you got to dig, roll up your sleeves and dig into your spirit and Uh start unraveling. I'm just, Uh Uh (laughs) and start unraveling the BS you came from. Mm. And I feel like that comes from both sides. So if you you had patriarchy and misogyny modeled for you, then, and and it's been harming you, then you have to work through that, right? Mm -hmm. And if you 
come from a feminist perspective and it that still hasn't been serving you, then you have to change it. So I get, so I, it sounds like what you're saying is that whatever it is, even if it's religion, right? Like no yeah. matter what it may be, that is, if it's not serving you, then you have to dismantle it. Exactly. And again, this might be semantics. Take the word serving and replace it with elevating. Mm, right. Because oh, yeah. the ego, the, the ego will take serving as I need to be served. Um, no, 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 no. Oh, see, you I need didn't to even elevate. Like yeah, you need to elevate, right? You need yeah. to ascend, right? In levels of consciousness. Now, if you step outside of the patriarchal framework of America, which is mainly white males, Yes, basically. We have to understand that. Yeah, it, it is right? definitely Bar- why we all buy into it. Right. Barack Obama could not do what Donald Trump is doing. Of he couldn't course, talk the way Donald Trump could talk. Barack Obama was the first African-American president, but also he was the first president who had to fight stereotype threat yes. while in office. Yes. Do you see? Yeah. This man is being as white as he can possibly be and speaking to the lowest levels of white males on planet Earth right now. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop comparing black men and well, white patriarchy because we're in two different worlds. Black people in America, when we look at black people in America, there is a massive wealth gap, right? Yeah. 90% of the nation's wealth is in the hands of white people. of that is in the hands of black people. 2% of that is in the hands of baby boomers with boomer hooked children that are waiting for those boomers to die so they can inherit the real estate. Mm. The other 0.6% is Beyonce, Jay-Z, and everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That makes sense. So it's difficult to sit and go, well, the black male patriarchy, what black male patriarchy? We're not in that position, right? That's, that's just like saying black people can be racist. No. Francis Cress Welton said you can't be racist if you don't have the power to stop people from getting a bank loan, from stopping people from moving into a certain neighborhood, redlining. Mm-hmm. Well, there are no black people with that kind of power. You don't get to get into this industry because of the way your name sounds and the way your hair locks. Mm. We mm. don't. That's racism. Yeah. We can say racist things, yeah, we but we prejudiced. don't implement. We could be prejudiced, but we don't implement racism. Right. And that's so, the same with the patriarchal question. OK, so you're saying that black men can't be labeled like patriarchal, but they can be complicit within the system. The system creates a toxic person, regardless of gender. Krishnamurti said it the best. It is no measure of health to be fully integrated into a sick society. Mm. <laughs> you see? So, yeah. So, yeah. so again, the society is sick. If Joe Biden can stand on the floor of the Congress and say, or the Senate floor, and say, yeah, we helped create the black man. 
We helped create this guy. He's running around. They're killing people. But you know what? If he comes and kills my grandmother or my mother, we've got to do something about that. Wait a minute. Are you taking responsibility for creating the conditions that makes a Chicago, that mm-hmm. makes a Baltimore, that makes a Compton, and then saying, but we need to create legislation? This was the crime bill. You helped create the black man that you loathe. That's the truth. Again, you can't say the black man is something without talking about the container in which he was pulled from. This is the container of this society. So is the black man responsible or is the society in which he was created in responsible? Drops mic on that note. <laughs> Dag, so. <laughs> well, so I do want to say we want to shift the conversation and move on to a new segment. This is our first time doing this segment with the male. So just bear with us. Now, Zoe, because we recognize and appreciate and celebrate the multifaceted woman and believe that it's okay to be classy and ratchet and you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose, we want to invite you to the Oh, you Clatch It segment. But we've changed up our questions a bit since you are our first male guest. So, Zoe, do you take on the challenge? What is the challenge again? Lord have mercy. I know that's right. So we're just going to ask you some rapid fire fun questions that are that could be considered classy and ratchet at the same damn time <laughs> so clash it oh clash it okay yes. i'm, yes. I'm here clash it okay yes, all right you you win let's it all right let's in. do it so zo what song gets you on the dance floor at the club or party rock with you michael jackson hey oh, okay. Okay. there we go <laughs> okay <laughs> we know from your book that you are into basketball but yeah. would you say you're more pro or collegiate? And what's your favorite team? I would say I'm more collegiate. And my favorite team on the pro side are the Lakers. And on the collegiate side, my son is playing for Fresno State. So go Bulldogs. Okay. okay. Yes. All right. Now, Zoe, we know you got bars. Okay. We know you're super talented and you got bars. So I got to know. Freestyle or oh, Written. Well. <laughs> written. Written, okay. Oh, okay. Written. So we we can't drop a beat and expect you to just go in on go in real quick. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't I can't waste a syllable. It has oh, to be written. There we go. Okay, I love I like it. That. I love it. Okay. <laughs> What's something that many people don't know about you? That I'm pretty reclusive. I stay inside in a way that I don't go out very much. It's not my style. So pretty reclusive. <laughs> Low okay. key. Okay. And so what question do you wish you got asked more? I know you have a lot of interviews, you have your own shows. What question do people not ask you enough? Oh, now that's a tough question because I've been asked a whole bevy of questions <laughs> about everything. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's that's a tough mm-hmm. one. I'm not quite sure. Okay, we'll have to well, revisit we'll that, that another time. Yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. That, that question may be a question stumped. that needs I've never to be been asked more. <laughs> oh, we've never been stumped. Okay, we stumped so all right. <laughs> wow. That was, yeah, that was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to lighten it up just a little bit with our final question. What is your biggest guilty pleasure? Damn, key lime pie. 
Okay, there we go. Key lime pie. Okay. All right now. Well, so we just want to thank you so much for dropping some gems and insight. I can't wait to re-listen to this episode and take more notes. But we just want to thank you so much for being in her space and offering your perspective. And we want to share with our listeners where they can support you, where they can tune into your show, and also just find you on social media and also purchase your book. So feel free to let them know where they can find you. You can find me at IamZoeWilliams.com to purchase my book, The Holographic Relationship, or you can go to Amazon.com and The Relationship Dismount is there in three different formats, Kindle, Audible, as well as paperback. And of course, I'm a Dash Radio. I do The Voice of Reason. I do Mansions. I do The Zoe What Show. Dash Radio is a free radio app you download. I have two channels on there, Dash Talk X, which is their premier talk station, as well as my own channel, which is called Voice of Reason Radio, B-O-R Radio. Download that app and favorite both those channels for me. And y'all, if you tune into Zoe's show, make sure you have your notepad and your pen ready, because sometimes, I'm not going to lie, my brain hurts after listening to a few shows. So get ready to take some notes and learn some great insights. So again, we want to thank you so much for being in her space. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Oh, we appreciate you. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. There's something inside of me that's bigger than any obstacle. We'll see you next week, lady.